I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Shelly, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. How is um? How was your Halloween? Oh, it was adorable. I didn't get too too many kids, but because some and they're adorable. I love handing out candy. We only I got do. like five kids. Yeah, I got just a couple of groups, but they were larger groups, but mm-hmm. not as many as you know years past. I think a lot of towns doing their trunk or treats or whatever they do I think that has slowed down house to house stuff yeah and I think there's still a COVID concern for a lot of oh for sure the kids aren't vaccinated yet right um I'm I'm wicked excited that Hunter finally has his appointment so that will be good Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so but next up is Thanksgiving which is my favorite holiday I don't like Thanksgiving I know I love it (laughs) how are we even friends like so opposite everything I know and yet we get along so well it's hilarious I know (laughs) I know I love it I love that about our relationship though and I love to tell other people that like we couldn't be more opposite we totally have a blast right because we're okay with our oppositeness I just invented a word It is true. We have a lot of differences, but I think we complement each other. And I think mm. we're both mature enough to not let those differences divide us. We mm. don't care. You right. know, like you do you, I do me, and we have a blast. So yeah, no shame, judge no judgments. So right. yeah. Nope. We just accept each other. I think though, that what's most important to both of us is like people's heart. And that's where we're at, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not going to worry think, about that. It doesn't matter. I think you have to be careful if you are only <laughs> friends with people who think like you, right? 100%. And I'm not talking about like, I don't want to be friends with racists. I don't want to be, you know what I mean? No, but no, if no, you have like a slightly different political or religious view or whatever, yeah. I want to hear your opinion because yeah. otherwise you're just existing in an echo chamber. You're never going to learn or grow. Right. Right. Yeah. right. No, I totally agree with you. Yep. This week, we are talking with Sharita from Mom Burnout Coach, and she um, helps moms avoid burnout. Ah, very nice. I don't know about you, but I am crispy as fuck. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) my kids are older, so it's supposed to be like easier than it is in a lot of ways, but. But big kids, big problems, little kids, little problems. Yes. Although don't tell a two-year-old that their problem is because <laughs> they are bringing down right. the house. Well, all of a sudden, it's going to turn into a big problem for everybody. Right. That's right. It's just, you know, it goes from like big emotions in a tiny body to big emotions in a bigger body. Right. And you're like, mm, a two-year-old throwing a tantrum can be cute on one, you know, in one right. way. But, you know, right. teenager, you're like, oh, whatever. Right. My kids are great. I love my kids. They're actually they don't really give me a hard time that much now. Right. Nowadays, I would say right. it was different a few years ago, but yeah, I think everyone's kind of mellowed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the best way to survive is trying to let stuff go. And you and I always talk about, and I know that 
um, our listeners must be sick of us saying this, but you and I say this all the time. The best way to burn out, if you want to burn out really fast and quick, then make your kids your entire universe. That's right. 100%. They should be the center of your universe, but they shouldn't be your entire universe. You will burn. That's right. Absolutely. You have to take care of yourself and you have to have a life away from your kids. That doesn't include your kids. Right. And you it's have kind have of friends. healthy for your kids to see that it is. It's teaching them to be balanced. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They're paying attention to what we're doing more than what we're saying. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. It's like, yeah. if you want your kid to be a decent adult, then you have to start acting like a decent adult. Right. Stupid kids paying attention. I I'm like doing little mirrors. It's like, oh, I if I'm going to say fuck, my son's going to say fuck. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which I'm the kind of parent that's like, yeah, don't say it in front of your grandma. You'll be fine. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's it. Just don't say it in church. No, don't your say audience. it for your grandmother. Right. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, have at it. Cause I really don't mm-hmm. want to fight you anymore. Yep. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> say it again. Just keep saying better? it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, right. so let's do our favorite of the week. Great. Why don't you go first this time? All right. Um, well, I mentioned how Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So I guess I'll go on that. And um, one of the things that my family that I started when the kids were little, um, one of the traditions that we have um, practiced is um, on Thanksgiving going around, whether it's the tables or for standing, whatever, um, and saying one thing that we're grateful for. And it's a really special way to kind of bring us into the whole holiday. Like you're running around, everyone's getting, you know, like I always host. So I'm running around all morning, trying to get everything done, making sure everything is clean and everything is delicious and yada, yada, yada. And by the time you're getting ready to, you know, or people are there, you're like tired and kind of maybe pissed at someone because they didn't mm-hmm. put the cranberry sauce out or whatever. And doing that and pausing is like a really um, calming way to get into it. And then you hear what people are grateful for, and then it makes you feel grateful. It's just a really mm-hmm. special way to, to kick off the day. Mm-hmm. So that's Yeah, we favorite. do something similar in my family. And sometimes I've, I've been kind of like caught by surprise by some of the things that they were thankful for, because I thought it was things that they weren't paying attention to or noticing or taking for granted, which we take, we all take things for granted. For sure. But sometimes they'll say things where I'm like, oh, I can hear the whole time. I thought you were taking that for granted and not really caring about it. Right. Which right. those are my favorite ones. Yep. Yeah. It's really special. And that like the right, what you just said is like a really good example of how it can even help in relationships. You know, we, we tend, people are 10 times more likely to complain than say something positive. That's Mm -hmm. like an actual statistic and it's true. And then when everyone is going around the room saying something positive, you don't always know what other people are thinking and you might have a judgment on, wow, they didn't even pay attention to that. And then boom, you find out they are. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I like it. Yeah. And I think that can be something that can be incorporated like on a daily basis. Like I try to, I'm not great at like writing it down. I don't know why I'm saying like so much today, but I'm not great at writing it down. 
mm-hmm. but I try to think of three things that I'm grateful for yeah. every day. And John and I try to make an attempt. We haven't been as good at it lately because um, we've been so busy, but usually we make an attempt to say at least once a week to each other, you know, I appreciate what everything you do mm-hmm. or I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels good to be appreciated. Yeah. It's really bad my favorite, my new favorite way of saying thank you. If someone like really does me, does me a like a favor, I won't say thank you. I say I appreciate you. Right, right. I feel like that's more sincere. It is. I had seen a prompt thing like instead of saying I'm sorry I'm late, sorry I'm running late, instead turning around and saying thank you for waiting for me. Yes, I saw that too. Replacing your apologies with thanks. Thank you. I tried to incorporate. I I loved that when I I saw that. I was like, oh, I got to do this. So I try to do that. Like if I was running late during home visits, I used to say, I'm so sorry. And now I just say, thank you for your patience. I really appreciate it. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. See, social media is good for something. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's. um, Oh, my favorite. I almost forgot to do mine. Yep. I was going to say, we need yours still. It's another TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) So I absolutely love Hannah Bread Talk. She's on TikTok. Mm -hmm. All she does is like make bread. Nice. And it's so wholesome and nice, but at the same time, she's a little suggestive (laughs) with the way she (laughs) makes. So I can't say it's like 100 complete wholesome. Oh, that's a riot. But she does this thing where she looks at the camera and like spanks the bread or taps the bread or whatever. Yeah. It's too fun to watch. She's so, she's so cute. I actually think now that I'm thinking about it, that Hannah Bread Talk is they. They use they pronouns. I'm not 100% sure though. Um, (laughs) But so cute, so wholesome. And I just love watching them. Nice. Fun, fun, fun. So again, if you're in the TikTok over 30 club, look up Hannah Bread Talk. You will not be disappointed. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our question of the week. Great. So this week's question is, how do I heal cracked nipples? Um, They began to get sore and cracked when I started pumping. Mm. Oh, ow. I have sympathy pain. Mm. Sometimes what are you I telling see, like, people? Hmm? Really gnarly nipples, and it makes me want to like squeeze. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like when your boobs do their version of a kegel. Yes, <laughs> <You're> like, ah, <laughs> that's exactly. Protect, bring them in. Right. And then some of these parents are like putting the baby onto these mangled nipples, and I'm uh-huh. like, doesn't that hurt? It's like a little bit, but not really. I'm like, you uh, must have like superhero. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, uh-huh. so in this question, there's kind of like two issues going on. One is that the nipples are cracked. And number two is that the pumping caused it. Right. Right. So in terms of healing nipples, you know, coconut oil can do a good job. Um, Medi honey paste has been a lot of the families I work with really like the Medi honey paste. Um, You want to make sure you get the paste, not the gel because the gel has like a bunch of more additives, but um, you can get the paste from any pharmacy. Um, Saline rinses like twice a week or twice a day rather might also help. But you can do all of these suggestions. And if you're not fixing the cause of the cracked nipples, it's not going to heal. So we need to figure out the pumping aspect of that. You need to make sure your your flanges fit, that you're using the right um, settings. Um, Fitting your flanges can be really hard to do. 
especially if you have elastic tissue. And I know that parents go on websites and they say, measure your nipples and then add two centimeters or whatever. And that's, that's kind of BS. It's kind of BS because your nipples swell when you're pumping. And depending on how elastic your tissue is, it can swell more or it can swell less. So the best, um, the best plan for having the best pumping experience and have your flanges fit properly is to work with an IBCLC mm-hmm. because they have to watch you pump. If someone just holds a flange up to your nipple and says, eh, that looks good. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you have That's to right. watch a parent pump in order to size them properly. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But pumping should never hurt. So I'm really glad you reached out with that question. Mm-hmm. All right. So next up, we will be speaking with Sharita. Wonderful. Hey everyone, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about one of the biggest obstacles that I see expecting and new families facing when they're having a baby, and that's lack of support and community. I know that having a baby can be overwhelming. There's so many resources out there. Some of them are better than others. You never quite know if you're getting the most updated evidence-based information, and also there's the lack of support. So that's why I created the Baby Pro Bistro. You can join the Baby Pro Bistro and get monthly support before and after your baby arrives. The Baby Pro Bistro provides you with all your prenatal and new parenting needs. So when you join, you get the prenatal childbirth education class, the prenatal breastfeeding class, the prenatal newborn care class, and the prenatal infant sleep education. You also get postpartum information like a starting solids webinar, community support, and expert speakers who talk on various subjects such as infant massage, and pelvic floor health. I'm so excited to announce this week's guest, Sharita Thompson. She is a mindset and parenting coach who specializes in helping moms prevent burnout. Welcome, Sharita. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So um, let's see, a long story short <laughs> I am a certified doula, a hypnobirthing a childbirth educator, um, as well as an educator. Um, my background, I have a higher, or excuse me, I have a master's degree in higher education. Um, and I currently live in Florida with my family, with my husband and two young children. Um, and that's just a little piece about me and, and what I do. And then as Shelly mentioned, I'm also a mom and a mindset coach um, for parents. So thank you again for having me here. I didn't know you were a doula too. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Postpartum and a birth doula as well. So do you still do birth work or are you just in the parenting realm, uh, the coaching I'm, realm? Yeah, mostly in the parenting realm. Mm-hmm. Although some of my coaching does overlap into like, um, parental leave prep and Mm -hmm. things like that. And so there's, you know, there tends to be some overlap there. Mm -hmm. How old are your kids? They are, my son is actually turning five years old and he's asking us, he's going to be five at the end of November. And he keeps asking us like, is my birthday yet? Is my birthday yet? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then our daughter is two and a half years old. It's it's hard to be on call as a doula when you have young kids. Like yes, that's one is, of the big reasons that I had to step back from attending births and stuff. Cause it was like, it was too much. Yes. Which is why I actually pursued the postpartum work because it's a little bit more stabilized in terms of your schedule, mm-hmm. but it is. And I give props to 
women that do birth work and have young children because it is so hard. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 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 I'm glad we're talking about burnout though, because I know, um, especially with your background, you're aware of this too, I'm sure, but the rate of burnout too in the um, birth worker field is extremely high as well. So I'm hoping to learn yeah. some stuff from you. Yeah. Too about that. So I don't have any statistics off the top of my head, but I will say this, that, you know, because of the pandemic, right, because of COVID-19, there's definitely been an increase in burnout in everywhere, right, in all industries and mm-hmm. in all like, everyone is in, uh, probably affected by it by some way, because the thing about burnout, it actually doesn't care right about like your socioeconomic status, things like that. Right. Anyone can suffer from it. So I just want to acknowledge that like it, it can hit anyone. Right. And so I think specifically for moms, right. Like mom burnout, something that is like the, the specialty here. And when we think about it, it's because we, we have, we're doing so much, right we are sort of the keepers of everything in our household. And so when we're doing all these things, right, we can talk about what doing all the things are, right? I hear that oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't take time for ourselves. Doing all the things sometimes doesn't mean taking time for ourselves. And so when we're in these situations where it's nonstop go, it starts taking effect on our body and our mind. Um, And in my case, I actually had mom burnout. So I mentioned, right, I was, I'm a, a doula birth educator. And while I was working full time, uh, I think 50 plus hours a week, I was pregnant, I was taking care of my young son at the time. And it got to be too much. And it literally landed me in the hospital with high blood oh, pressure. No. Wow. Yes. And that's one of the ways that burnout can affect you. And it was at that point, where I was like, okay, something needs to change. I can't keep going on because my body is telling me that things are not aligned. Um, And that's oftentimes what I hear, like when I talk with moms, when I work with moms, they sort of hit a point where they realize uh, they just can't keep going on the way that they have been. Mm -hmm. And so it takes to that, like sort of that breaking point to recognize which is fine, right? Like we all have our certain points and I don't want moms to beat themselves up. Like, how did I get it to this point? Because your body actually is just a coping mechanism, right? So we keep going, we're coping. And then we get to this point where our bodies just kind of need to shut down. So it's a combination of all these things, right? And so I'm helping moms recognize those signs and then just taking it day by day on what you can do, right? Mm-hmm. We can still get all the things done, but it's going to look different. Right. Yeah. I know that's how burnout usually shows up for me. I know it can present a little differently in everybody, but usually it's kind of like, I'm just going and going and going. And even though I'm going and going, I feel fine. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like crashing into a wall with no yeah. warning, no signals ahead. And I just like, turn crispy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. burn. Yeah. And I think I see that a lot um happening a lot because as we're nearing hopefully the end of the pandemic, um, you know, this whole time for the past 18 months, two years, it's just been survival mode. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you're just going and going, you're doing what you have to do to protect yourself, to protect your family. And now that things are kind of on the down curve and things are starting to open up again and holidays are coming back up where people will actually be getting together. I think that's when it's catching up with a lot of people. Like it's finally hitting us what we actually went through and we're just starting now to process it. 
And it's interesting to see the different reactions on how people deal with that, like late onset processing. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you brought up the holidays because that can just be a a stressful time in itself. Right. So when you're dealing with all these things, you're already stressed, you're already tired, right? Burnout can look like exhaustion. I constantly hear how exhausted I am, how tired I am. It's so hard for me to get up. Um, And then we think about this holiday stress too, on top of it, because we're managing on top of everything that we were managing before. Now it's creating a magical experience for our children. It's, you know, getting gifts, right? It's all these things, family gatherings. And sometimes the holidays can just be a stressful time given family dynamics, right? Sometimes we're seeing in-laws that we haven't seen in months or years, and it can be a very stressful situation. And so there's a lot of factors at play that oftentimes we don't even realize are because we're so in it, we can't recognize Mm -hmm. the external factors. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking like, even with like my postpartum depression and I tell families that all the time, like when you're in it, sometimes you don't see that you're in it and it takes someone else who loves you and cares about you saying like, Hey, I think, I think you need some help here to finally be aware of like what's going on. Yeah. 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 So, um, it's definitely a lot, but you know, I think one of the first steps is just recognition right just even like hearing and listening like sometimes we just we observe and we're like oh I am actually experiencing those things right and so you're like maybe I have burnout that's when like we can start like for yourself if there's no one in your life that can sort of tell you like you might be burnt out if we bring more awareness to this and we see the signs then internally you know we can start picking up signals um to let us to let ourselves know Yeah. 100%. Let's take a little bit of a step back. Is there like a way that you define burnout for those out there that might not know exactly what it is? Yes. So this is, so the the way that I define burnout, it's the emotional and physical exhaustion that we feel from chronic stress. So ultimately burnout is chronic stress. It's cumulus stress. And normally for humans, we have a stress cycle, right? So we get stressed, we release that stress and then we move on. But now, right, right now, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are just constantly going through the stress and we're not actually going through the full cycle. Mm -hmm. So we're experiencing stress. We're on alert, right? All these different things. And then it just builds up and builds up and builds up. And it's a coping mechanism, right? So it's because our bodies are trying to figure out a way to say like, I'm seeing this thing but they don't know how to process it. All right. And so it, it, it manifests in different ways. Like I said, there can be um, exhaustion. It can lead to self-doubt. Um, it can lead to a lack of like motivation. Those are things that we often see when people experience burnout. Um, you might be really short with your kids and I'm not talking about like a one-time thing, right? Like when we snap at our children, um, that's another thing too. Like we may not feel as present with our children um, and that can manifest in different ways. Um, I also see it come out in relationships Mm -hmm. because ultimately when we're in this burnout phase, we tend to be negative. And so when we have negativity around us, it can impact not only ourselves, but the external relationships that we're experiencing. And so I know, like, I can just speak from my own personal experience during the time when I had burnout, my relationship with my husband was 
critical, right? Like we literally mm-hmm. were talking about divorce um, wow. because we, yeah, because we, I was just so unhappy. I felt like I was doing all the things I was keeping my family, I was trying to keep my family together and, and manage it all, but I wasn't happy. And so it manifested in different ways. And I think, you know, it can come out as resentment, right? To your partner, because then you start thinking, well, why isn't he doing these things? Why am I doing Mm -hmm. all the work, you know? And there's communication breakdown. So it's all these different things at play. But one of the things that I tell moms is like, okay, we can take it on. We're not going to take on everything during our first session together, right? Right. (laughs) We're going to take it on piece by piece so that it's manageable. Um, you know, I think as human beings, we just like, we want everything so quickly and we want to do it now. And it's just not the way that it's going to work when we're talking about stress. Right. Exactly. Do you feel like there might be, um, like compensations that people start to develop that you see over and over, like specific ones that you see happen a lot that they, um, start to develop to try to help them cope with the stress, but it doesn't actually help them. It like has the opposite effect. Yeah. One of the biggest ways is actually, um, I love naps. So I just want to say that I love naps. I think naps are really important, but what oftentimes happens when we are stressed out, right? We're thinking we're up late at night. Sometimes we have like insomnia, right? We're thinking about all these things that we need to do and it keeps us up and it's really hard to sleep. We're exhausted. And then we take naps, right? And it's sort of like this vicious cycle where you don't even realize because you're taking the nap, and you're up late at night, mm-hmm. and you can't get the proper eight hours. And so that actually is a coping mechanism that is one of the first things that we need to break. Like we try to make sure that we get the full eight hours so that you're rested in the morning, and then you can go through the day without the nap. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would say that that I didn't have trouble sleeping um, when I was in my burnout, but I just, I wasn't going like, once I went to bed, I was fine. I would fall asleep and sleep, but I wasn't going, I was going to bed very, very late. So I was averaging an hour, like four hours of sleep at night, plus the kids. Plus I work like 60 to 70 hours and I was working with my nutritionist and she's like, you're basically slowly killing yourself. You need to get more sleep than four hours or you're, or you're going to end up in the hospital. And it took a long time for me to like change that happen. And now I get, you know, the least amount of sleep I get on a bad night is like six hours, but I'm averaging like closer to seven. I don't really hit eight. I don't think yeah. I ever will, but, but I well, the range is different better. for everyone, right? Like it yeah. doesn't have to be exactly eight. And, but mm-hmm. I, I think at least seven, right. Is um, what most specialists uh, recommend for adults. Mm-hmm. And again, it can vary. That's like an average, but yeah, it's incredible how much. Um, when we talk about sleep deprivation, right. And I think there've been studies about how, um, it can, you know, feel like if you're so sleep deprived, it can almost be like when you're driving drunk, right. It's like that equivalent because you're not in the right headspace. Right. And that was the problem that I was having because I was on the road all day. I do home visits mm -hmm. and I'm like starting to doze off at the wheel and I would stop and buy like an energy drink. Cause, cause that's the healthier thing to reach for, but it would keep me awake. Um, and I remember thinking once I changed that sleeping habit, like it's been months since I felt like I was falling asleep at the wheel and yeah. I've gone from like four to five cups of coffee a day down to one to two. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the other thing too, right? We don't want to shame anyone. I think sometimes like when we say like, 
oh my gosh, like you shouldn't be taking naps or, you know, you shouldn't be drinking that caffeine. It's not saying that you shouldn't take naps. It's not saying that you shouldn't have any caffeine, but we need to be mindful of how much we're taking in. And again, mm-hmm. to your point, is this actually a coping mechanism? Like, why am I drinking so much coffee? <laughs> right? Like, right. why am I taking so many naps? And so we just want to think about like, okay, why is this happening potentially? Um, like, could it actually be because I'm trying to compensate for something else? Mm-hmm. Why is the difference between burnout and like depression? Yeah, I mean, depression is right a medical mental health issue. And so, you know, I think it takes a professional to diagnose you might actually have depression while you're experiencing burnout. Um, and I would suggest that if you felt like you needed to see a medical professional, I highly encourage that. And, uh, you know, some of my clients actually see a therapist and they work with me, right? Like Mm -hmm. we work together in sync because you only see your therapist depending on what your schedule is so much. And then I'm there to support you really daily on your Mm -hmm. path to recovery. So it's two different uh, services. And, you know, they are specialists in mental health, um, where I am not. Right. Do you feel that like chronic burnout can lead to depression? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I can see yeah. that. And they yeah. kind of do have similar symptoms. They do. They do. Yeah. yeah. What are the other symptoms of burnout that you, you mentioned, like wanting to sleep a lot and snapping at your children? What other symptoms do you see some parents exhibit? Um, like mom burnout specifically, like feeling a sense of being a failure almost all the time. Mom guilt, right. That always Um, makes me so sad. I know me too. It makes me so sad because I'm like, you're doing a great job. Right. Um, uh, so that can be one of the ways feeling helpless trapped. Sometimes we feel like there's no way that we can, the, the feeling, right? We, we tend to think that it's normal. And then we start feeling like we're trapped. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to be feeling like this all the time. Um, but that's the, the truth is, is you don't have to feel that way all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that loss of motivation, like I said, sometimes that can be manifested in being present with your children. And, and so what I mean by that is like, when I was, in my burnout phase, it was really hard for me to like, want to play and interact with my child because I just wasn't feeling good. I wasn't right in the like mood to be happy and playful. And so Mm -hmm. there can, it can show up in this sort of like lack of motivation, lack of being present for your children, for yourself as well. And those, those feelings can definitely like turn into a cycle where, you don't feel well, so you don't interact with your kids as much as you want. And then you feel guilty that you're not interacting with your kids as much as you want, which makes you feel worse, which makes you want to interact. You know what I mean? I, like, I yeah. totally remember being stuck in that cycle where like, I just kept piling the mom guilt on, which would make me feel worse yeah. and take away my motivation and even more. Exactly. It actually reminds me of, I was like trying to think of a way to communicate it like really simply. Right. And so oftentimes when I hear mom say is I'm really overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? And oftentimes it actually means we're overworked. We're overachieving and we're over delivering. I mean, really we're doing all these things that are extra and it's taking a toll on us. So when I think about overwhelm and all those things, it's that you're doing all these things and then you feel guilty when you're like not rising to the occasion every single time, you know? Um, it's like, you know, me, (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and that's the other thing too, you know, we're not alone. So many moms are feeling this way. Um, and, you know, I think because it's not really talked about when you feel this way and you don't see anyone else talking about it, you feel really lonely and isolated. That's another thing that I hear. I didn't think anyone else felt that way. Mm -hmm. um, I feel really isolated in motherhood. It's really hard for me to make friends. I hear that a lot too um, from my clients and and it's because it's really hard one because it's really vulnerable right we're saying that like I'm not feeling good I need help that's so incredibly hard to say out loud mm -hmm. and then to say also like um I'm having trouble at home with like my spouse or whatever the case is right and so like being burnt out and like recognizing that things need to change is actually a very vulnerable thing to do right and I try to be better at talking about my burnout publicly to make people feel more comfortable talking about theirs. Like I've talked about on my Instagram, how I, I am trying to establish better boundaries and a better balance between work and home. And I'm, that I'm trying to cut back on caffeine because I want parents to know that like almost every family I see now, I see families who are kind of in crisis. They don't call me because things are going well. Right. So they right. call me because things are a mess. So almost every visit parents are crying. Um, and it's so sometimes they feel better when they're describing how they're feeling. And I say, yeah, me too. Like mm -hmm. you were definitely not the only one. They, and they always feel guilty for crying. They always apologize for crying. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. And I'm like, this is the safest place really for you to cry because I get it. I've been there. Yeah. I, you know, every family I've seen today has been crying just like you, you are not alone. And we can get through this, but we want to, I'm not the kind of lactation consultant that values breastfeeding or breast milk over mental health. So sometimes taking a step back is what we decide to do yeah. until the parent is like feeling better. And that's what, you know, that's the other thing too. Everything is unique, right. To the individual. So yes. right. The signs can look different and your recovery might look different from someone else's. And another thing that I like to talk, it's not to compare, right? Like let's not mm -hmm. compare ourselves to another mom. Yes, we have this shared experience, like, right, we all are feeling this way, but my recovery is going to look different than yours. Mm -hmm. And it's going to look different than someone else's. And that's okay, right? We're all on our different paths and journeys. Right? Yeah, I think it was, was it Eleanor Roosevelt that said comparison is the thief of joy? I think I think it was think her. So. Yeah. yeah. And I love that quote. And I say it to parents all the time, because of course that, you know, if you've got, I'm working with someone with low milk supply and they're like, well, my cousin pumps eight ounces. And I'm always like, don't compare. Do you not compare? Exactly. It will only make you feel bad. You're exactly. on your own journey. Your cousin's on her own journey. It's two different journeys. You can't compare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if a parent does suspect that they might have burnout, like what are some things they can do? Because they see all this advice floating around online and it's like, um, get up an hour earlier before the kids. So you have to like, who wants to wake up? My kids always woke up at 6 a.m. <laughs> like I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. Just to, like, how is that going to help me? I need more sleep or like take some time and go to Target yourself or whatever. And it's like going to the grocery store by yourself is not self-care. Maybe yeah. Target because Target's fun <laughs> <laughs> and they have Starbucks. So you can like grab a coffee and walk around Target, but like being able to do something that you would normally do, like that it's considered a chore without kids is not self-care. In my opinion, you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so interesting because self-care is a hot sort of topic. And personally, I think self-care can look like 
a whole bunch of different things, right? And I think there's even maybe different levels because ultimately, and you work with, with families. And so, you know, like even basic self-care, which is like showering sometimes can be really hard mm -hmm. for moms. Right. And yes, so absolutely. I don't ever want to say like that isn't self-care because to someone it definitely could be right. Even just taking yeah. that 15 minute shower. That's so, a good point. yeah. So I like to look at it. It can be different, right? Everyone's on their different journey. And so I never say self-care looks like this or it doesn't look like that. It's whatever the person thinks is self-care to them. And that's ultimately what self-care is about, right? It's about doing things that will make you feel good and to not be, uh, you know, like you think about stress or self-love, right? Maybe self-love is mm -hmm. connected with your self-care routine. So it can look like different things. Um, and for me, so I practice what's called the daily three. And this is what I tell my clients is to sort of like, the roadmap and it's very basic. Um, but like, as my client, we kind of like dive deep a little bit more into this, but the basic gist of it, the three is mindset, energy, and action, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to have a mindset and be mindful of the actions that you're taking. And then the energy is this rest, it's nourishment, it's movement. A lot of times with stress management, we need to get up and moving. Um, and then the action is like taking action, right? Like I think oftentimes when you think about like feeling good or, you know, we think law of, uh, law of attraction or manifestation, whatever you want to think mm -hmm. about, it's like, oh, I'm thinking about these things. Like I have a really clear mindset. I know what I want, but what actions are you taking? Are those actions aligned to what you right. want? And sometimes I think there's a disconnect. And so to really focus on the actual actions and are they aligned with what we want in our life? And I say that's really, it's, simple, but it actually is incredibly hard because you have to think about like, what, what do I want in my life? Mm -hmm. Right. What does rest look like? It's going to look different. Like we said earlier in this conversation, it's going to look different for you. It's going to look different for me. And so we have to find what works for us. And then this action, everyone has different goals, like what they want to achieve, what they want, how they want to raise their families, uh, what joy, what happiness looks like to them. And so your goals are going to look different um, from someone else's. But I swear this very basic framework is the key. It is a winning formula to a happy life. I love that. And I love that you start off with like very basic keys because I feel like making big changes itself can be overwhelming. For sure. So, and so sometimes it's just like, okay, you're just, I don't know if you've ever heard of the fly lady. <laughs> Do you remember her? The fly lady. I don't know. You might have to go. She's, it was like a, it was supposed to be for like house decluttering, but it actually helped me with burnout because okay. when you signed up for her like program, which was free and still totally free, she would send you like the welcoming email and it would say, okay, this is all I want you to do. When you get up in the morning, I want you to get fully dressed and put on your shoes. And that's it. You wouldn't have to change anything else about your life. And then the next week she would be like, okay, in addition to getting up and getting dressed and putting on your shoes, I want you to make your bed every morning. Yeah. And it was like slowly like small baby steps into yeah. a place where things were just like the self-care aspect was so into your daily routine that it didn't really feel like you were doing anything special except for that you felt better. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm telling you, keep it simple. I think again, right. We overcomplicate things sometimes mm -hmm. and that can just lead to burnout. Let's keep it simple and just focus baby steps. And 
I think also part of what I see, and I've been guilty of this, I still am, but just acknowledging all the things that I do can be very rewarding. And so like these small baby steps or, you know, big things that I do, I like acknowledge myself. I'm like, okay, I did a great job today. Whatever that is. Like I got my kids out the door into school. Like <laughs> that is a win, you know? Right. And so for me, I like to acknowledge and I like to just celebrate myself and to make myself feel good. Um, Cause I think oftentimes we're just like, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, don't downplay it. Like, it's still an accomplishment. Like, that's how I sort of think about it. Because I think sometimes we were just like, I'm just a mom. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, no, you don't. I mean, someone else could be doing it, right? Your partner could be taking your kids to school. So, but you're doing it. So acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And my husband says that to me all the time, because I'd be like, oh, I was supposed to get these five things done today. and only got two done. And he's like, but you got two done. Like you got them both done and now you don't have to worry about them. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess. (laughs) It's definitely, and it's weird because it does take time for that shift to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're so, um, like oftentimes we work from like a deficit, like I said, and when you're burnt out, you're in this negative space. So it's really easy to say, oh, I didn't do those three things versus Mm -hmm. I did those two things and I'm a rock star. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But I will say, so one of the things that I've noticed, right, I still have this, the daily three, like I, I broke it down, but I think part of that is also just saying like boundaries, right? Boundaries are really important. It's really mm-hmm. hard for a lot of women, a lot of moms to set boundaries. And I think they look different again to everyone, what those boundaries are. But if we are communicating our boundaries in a clear way to whoever, and then keeping them, that's one way to help prevent burnout because when our boundaries are pushed or constantly being tested it is when it's really hard to get them back once someone's crossed it and then two it just doesn't make you feel good mm-hmm. um, so I do want to acknowledge that and then the other thing that I, I want to acknowledge as part of this is communication right so whether like we're communicating with ourselves or with our partner or with our children communication is key because I think oftentimes like I just talked about this in a video, but when we're burnt out, we think like, I'm, I'm really tired. I'm really exhausted. I must look really tired, really exhausted. And that may not be the case. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we think like, oh, people must be able to tell that I'm feeling this way. And they can't, if you're not letting people know that you need help, that you're tired, um, that you're just not feeling good, then there's no way for them to know or to help you. Um, And that was something that happened in my own marriage, right? Like I felt all these things and I wanted my husband's help. And then I just assumed that like, he knew that I was like struggling, but the help, but the the truth is the house was like put together. Like all these things were actually happening because I was doing all the things and I was getting exhausted doing it, but outwardly it looked good, Mm -hmm. right? So there was no way to tell that I was struggling. I was just having a conversation about this. I, at least I think it's pretty much the same idea that you're saying, um, with a friend of mine where we were talking about, you know, if you are the type of person where you are always, you know, you're the caregiver person in your family and friend circle, where you are the one who's like checking in on people, making sure they're doing okay, offering to help them with everything. Eventually what that means is nobody checks in on you because they all assume that you're 
quote unquote, the strong one and that you, because you're taking care of other people, you must be okay yourself. And I ran up against that during the pandemic where for, it was during like a burnout phase and I, I got so freaking resentful at my family and my friends, because I was like, I keep reaching out to make sure that you guys are okay. And nobody is asking me if I am okay. And I wasn't okay. So maybe that's why those feelings of resentment came up, but I'm like, I'm not okay. And I feel like, and I said to my husband, I said, I feel like I'm standing in the middle of the room. This is kind of like what Rose said in Titanic, but I felt like I was standing like in the middle of the room screaming and like, nobody was noticing that I was standing there screaming. And that was like a huge um, clue to me that I'm like, oh, I'm not doing well right now. And I need to re-examine how I'm, how I'm doing things and put better boundaries in place and have better balance. I think that is a great example. And I've actually experienced that too, because I am the one, right? I'm the organizer. I'm all these things. And when I tell my friends and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really struggling. Things aren't the way that I like them. And they're like, or sometimes they can even brush it off. Like, oh my gosh, your health always looks good. Oh my gosh, Sharita, like, you know, it's totally fine. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm not fine. Like I'm telling mm-hmm. you that this is bothering me or whatever the case is. And I'm not okay. But I think because you are sort of looked as a strong mom, right? Or like this mom that has it all together, that sometimes it can be hard for people to believe that you're also struggling. Um, And that's why I say like, don't compare yourself. Like, don't Mm -hmm. even think about like, you know, everyone has, everyone's human. And that's another thing that personally, I, um, I don't embrace those like sort of superhero mindset for moms right? because it just, it does not set a good um, expectation, right? Mm-hmm. It's built up actually into this burnout, doing all the things. And then we're praising moms are overworking, overachieving, over delivering, and you can only hold that for so long. Right. Yeah. Right. I tell my clients all the time, like there is no such thing as super mom. Instagram is lying to you. I also think back to what you were saying about like, if you have, I think the reason why it's so hard for people to also to reach out to their friends who look like everything is put together for them and say like, Hey, are you okay? Is probably like this underlying fear of, okay, I have this friend and her house is always immaculate. She's always put together. And if she's struggling, there's no hope for the rest of us kind of mentality. (laughs) Like if someone who's like that put together looking and gets it all done and, and she's like burning out, then what does that mean for the rest of us? Whereas, you know, even though it might feel like that and appear like that, you know, you might have it more put together internally, at least than that friend. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that brings up, uh, you know, perfectionism, right. The sort of expectation of being perfect or And so what I would say to that is, listen, even I'm a burnout coach, right? I still struggle from time to time, but I have the tools, right? I can recognize when I'm like struggling and I can ask for help because I have these tools and I have these strategies to help me bring me back in. And that's the thing, the mom that might look really good together, she might have those strategies. You don't know. And so that's why I'm like, never compare, never assume. Don't make assumptions. You don't know. And that's why I'm like, just be concerned about you and your family because you have no idea what's going on in the other house. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I always tell the families I work with, we're looking for progress, not perfection. Get the idea of perfection out of your head because then you will never be happy with how things are going. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. Is there, do you find that there's like a certain personality type that's more prone to burnout? You know, I mean, a lot of people would say type A personalities, right? Um, Sort of that perfectionism, always striving for perfectionism, 
Um, but again, it can, I think it can hit anyone, right? Especially as moms, because of our role in our families, the role that we tend to have in our families and keeping everything together, right? Having this like perfect image of our family, it's, it can be a lot of pressure. And so I will say typically type A personalities, but it can affect anyone. And do you feel that when you're coaching a parent or a family, some of it involves like bringing the partner on board more with like tasks around the house or stuff like that. Definitely. And so what I say to that is depending on your relationship with your spouse, I know in my case, um, uh, my husband and I did have to seek professional, uh, you know, help. And so that's why I encourage people again, right. To seek therapy, seek couple therapy, because there are certain things that I am not equipped to do, but there's a, you know, basic, <laughs> you know, communication, um, styles that you can say to your partner or ways to engage your partner in a way that, um, <clears throat> that they, you can bring them in, but I will say it's work. And so again, I just want to like reiterate, I think oftentimes we're looking for that really quick fix. And when it comes to things of this magnitude, where there's different personalities, different things at play, it may not be a quick fix overnight. There are things that you can definitely do, as you said, right? Like this, putting on your shoes, getting dressed. That is a very quick thing that you can do that you can control. And then these other things, might take some time and might take mm -hmm. a pro another professional to do it. And I think about, you know, these teams, right? Like when I, how do I feel good? I get my hair done. I have a hairstylist, get my nails done, get my nail tech, get my eyelashes done, right? You have a team that can support you to make you feel really good. And that's how I, you know, tell my, some of my clients to think about it too. Like, what is this team that you need to support you holistically? What does that look like? And then we can craft it together. And, you know, and then sometimes it's also like, maybe you can't get yourself on board. You're committed to that relationship. So how do you work around that? Right. What are the things right. that you can do to make it work and still feel sane? Yeah. I love that. And I love that you have, that you're able to come up with such an individualized approach with them. Yeah, you like, have to. Right. Versus like going out and just buying a self-help book and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> This doesn't yeah. really apply to me or whatever. Exactly. Well, and it, you know, if those things really did apply sort of like everyone, but just like Google it and then, and then be okay. Right. It's not that simple. It's not right. that simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, you know, also I think like the mindset I worked with a client earlier this week and she was just like, I had a really bad day. I do um, check-ins that they have to fill out a form. And she goes, yesterday I had a really bad day when I was filling out this form and she just like, wasn't in the right headspace. But by the end of our session, she was like, feeling really good. We had a plan and it was something that was manageable to her in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's incredible just how talking with someone, having accountability can just change it around so quickly. Yes. Yeah. And I hear that from the families, you know, this is a little bit different when I'm helping them come up with a breastfeeding plan. A lot of times we don't solve all their issues in one visit. That's not possible. It's going to take work. But so many times, like 90% of the times when I'm packing up and leaving, they're like, we feel so much better because we have a plan. And we know why this is happening and how we're going to address it. Like I may just have given them a bunch of work that they have to do um, or bad news, you know, but they're like, at least we have a plan and we know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It makes all the difference. It really mm -hmm. does. Especially when you're doing all the things and you're like, you know, doing all the things like what, what's the first thing that I do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
And when you're exhausted and sleep deprived, sometimes you do need someone to sit there and say, okay, this is going to be step one. Yeah. And then after that, you're going to go on to step two. Yeah. Yeah. My last question for you, what is one thing that you want all parents to know or want, would want all parents to hear? Oh, you're not alone in your experience. Even though it's unique, there's definitely similarities between other people and you're not alone in your struggles and feeling frustrated. I love that. And I, yeah, it's the same thing with anything with, with birth and breastfeeding. And, you know, sometimes you feel like you're the only one struggling, especially if you go on Instagram and you see all these like perfect parents and perfect homes and whatever, but they're not showing you the messy side of their life because they have one too. Everyone does. Don't let anyone Everyone fool does. you and tell Everyone you that does. they don't. Yeah. 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 I love that it's so much. true. Yeah. So tell us, I know I was looking at your website. I believe you offer like group coaching. Yeah. So it depends okay. on needs. Um, I do have group coaching. I'm currently in, uh, I have a cohort right now, um, but I also have one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. So definitely hit me up. I'm the mom, mom burnout coach. Um, and then you can visit the website, parentgrowthhub.com. So that's where all the magic happens, but definitely. Noticed I had that you had a webinar. Is that uh, still available? The recorded version? Okay. Yes. The holiday stress again, because during this time there is this added stress. And so really being intentional to stress less this holiday, um, and thinking through what you, how you want to experience it. Um, and actually just something I really just want to take note of because I mentioned it before and I also just want to stress it. The things that I work on with my clients are things that you can control because at the end of the day, that's all you have, right? We can't control external forces that we have no control over because it'll almost always be a losing battle. Mm -hmm. And so we really focus on what you can do. And so that's, what's really great about the holiday webinar. It's really taking a plan and thinking about all the things that you can do to make this holiday season really great, especially given the current shipping crisis that is going Mm -hmm. on, you know, and like, are my gifts going to get here? Are we going to be able to create this magical moment? Well, this webinar will help with that. So thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. And I will link to all of that, your Instagram, your website in the holiday um, in the, the show notes. Well, I'm so glad that we had this conversation because it's not talked about enough and it's such an important topic. And so many of us are going through this right now. And I love that there are people like you out there supporting us through it. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me and bringing more awareness today. So again, thank you so much for your time. I, you know, I'm going to give props to both of us. We're both doing great work here. So <laughs> let's continue supporting families, moms, you know, we're here for y'all. Mm-hmm. Saving the world one mom at a time. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Yeah, have a good night, Sharita. Thank you so much. Right, take care. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.